بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا سیکنڈ آف اپریل ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی وینٹ دا سیکنڈ Or we spent a few sessions discussing verse 6 of Surah Al-Ma'idah. So inshallah to spend one more session. And it's in reference to obviously the end of the holy verse where the precious gift of Tayyamun was given. So I mentioned a few sessions prior. That the reason for the revelation of this verse was the incident of Sayyidah Aisha and her necklace. But there's another report. The hadith is recorded in Tabarani. Abad ibn Abdullah ibn Az-Zubair from the mother of the believers Aisha radiyallahu who said after suffering the matter of my necklace and that of those who spread doubts about me I went out with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in another expedition and again I lost my necklace and the people once again stopped to search for it for me. The matter at which my father Abu Bakr said, O daughter, is it that every time you are but an affliction and a matter of agony to the people? Shortly thereupon, Allah the Almighty sent down His permission regarding Tayyimah. Then my father returned and said, Surely you are blessed. So this is another report. So the Hadith in Bukhari Sharif mentions that the incident took place once. But here the report mentions it happened a second time. And Abu Bakr this time, radiyallahu said, every time, because you seem to cause problems for us. But then Allah Ta'ala revealed the verse of Tayyimah. <coughs> and this time Abu Bakr himself said to his daughter, you are blessed. So it seems to indicate it occurred twice. So now with regards to Tayyimah. When you offer Tayyimah, the dust must touch your skin. It can't be done upon the garment. In a hadith in Bazaar, in his Kashaf number 310, Tabarani, in his Ausad number 1333, with a Sayyid chain, Abu Harara radiyallahu alayhi wa sallam, our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, clean earth is sufficient for you, even if you cannot find water for 20 years. فَإِذَا وَجَدَّهُ فَأَمِسَّهُ جِلْدَكَ And when you find it, let it touch your skin. So in this Sahih Hadith, the Prophet explicitly said, it has to touch your skin. So it's not a case like masa of your socks. You have to, the dust or whatever you've touched from the pure earth, it must touch your skin. And also there's another report in Sahih Bukhari, Nasai and others. Imran ibn Hussain radiyallahu he relates that Rasulullah he saw a man keeping away and not praying with the people. He said, Ya Fulan, ma mana'aka an tusalli fil qum? O so-and-so, what is keeping you from praying with the people? He said, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I have become junub, there is no water. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Alayka bis-sa'idi fa'innuhu yakfiq. You should use clean earth, for that will be sufficient for you. So note again, the misconception, the Sahaba thought, because I'm in a major state of impurity, Tayyimah isn't sufficient. But the Prophet said to him, 
the tayyimim is used both for the minor ablution and for the major ablution, i.e. the ghusl. They're both equal. So another thing mentioned is what can you do tayyimim with? So obviously anything from the earth, even a wall can be used. The hadith is recorded in Bukhari, Muslim Abu Dawud al-Nisai. Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu he said, Abdullah ibn Yasar, the client of Maymuna radiyallahu the wife of the Prophet, and I went to Abu Juhaym ibn al-Harith ibn al-Simma al-Ansari. Abu Juhaym radiyallahu said, Rasulullah was returning sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from Bir Jamal, close to Medina, and a man met him and greeted him. The Prophet did not return the greetings until he turned to a wall with his hands and wiped his face and hands and then he returned his greetings. So in this flawless report, well, how did the Prophet do Taymum? He used the wall. So obviously the walls there were made of mud, not the bricks. So the scholars point out that there must be some sort of dust upon it as well. So but a wall is mentioned here. So I noticed the Prophet didn't even like to return greetings of Salam without purity. And like I mentioned, there's a bit of fiqh which the verse is referring to. Also, like I mentioned, how many strikes must you do on the earth? There's a difference of opinion amongst the scholars as to how many times the earth should be struck with hands for wiping the face and hands. The first view, one stroke, for wiping both the hands and the face. This was the view held by Imam Ahmad, Ishaq and Al-Awza'i and the traditionists. So one strike covers for both the face and the arms, uh, up to the wrist, sorry. And this is the view of Imam Ahmad and many of the other scholars. Two strikes, namely one stroke for wiping the face and one stroke for wiping the hands. This is the ruling of Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, and many others. So three of the Imams, they said you should strike twice. There's a third view. Striking twice together for wiping the face and the hands. So you strike the earth twice, wipe the face, and you strike the earth twice again for the arms. This is the view of Hassan ibn Hay and ibn Abi Layla. All of this is recorded in Ma'arif al-Sunnan 1-477-78. So this is the view of the, the scholars. Now what's interesting, three of the Imams, they say you must strike twice. Now why is that interesting? Because Hafiz Munziri, Hafiz Abu Bakr ibn al-Mundir in his Al-Awsad volume 2 page 53, he said, there are three reports which support those who call for performing tayyibun by striking the earth twice. One for the face, one for the hands up to the elbows. All of them are defective. So Hafiz Abu Bakr ibn al-Mundir said, the hadith which mentions striking twice, they all have weakness. Imam Ahmad rahmatullah in Al-Mughni, volume 1, page 333, he was asked about tayyibun. And he pointed only to his hands and did not exceed them. Meaning you don't uh, wash up to the, the elbows. This is another ruling which I'm going to mention. So, should you wipe up to the elbows? And the answer is, 
there's a difference. There are traditions which indicate the wiping of the hands up to the shoulders. Some fix the limit to the wrist, some to the elbows. So there's three different views. One up to the shoulders, one up to the elbows, one up to the wrist. The hands should be wiped up to the wrists. This is the view of Imam Ozai, Imam Ahmed Ishaq, the traditionists and the Zahiris. So Imam Ahmed said up to the wrists. The hand should be wiped up to the elbows, including them. This is the view of Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Shafi, and Imam Malik. So three of the Imams said up to the elbows. There's a third view of Imam Malik. Wiping the hands up to the wrists is obligatory and up to the elbows is sunnah, said Imam Malik. So he takes a middle path. He goes, the wrist you have to. But if you go to the elbow, it's a sunnah. The hands, the fourth view, should be wiped up to the shoulders and armpits. This is maintained by Imam Zuhri and Muhammad ibn Salam. Referred to Ma'arif as Sunnah 1 478. So note there's a difference also with regards to where the wiping should be. But now what's interesting? Imam Ahmad said only to the wrists, no further. Ibn Qudama said the two hands must be wiped up to the wrist for Tayyibah. This is in Al Mughni volume 1, page 330. Hafiz ibn Kaim said it was never recorded that Rasulullah struck the earth twice or wiped his hands up to the elbows. This is in Zad al-Ma'ad, volume 1, page 200. So what's interesting, all of these are humble scholars. Of course, Imam Ahmad, Hafiz ibn Qayyim, with his vast knowledge of hadith, he goes, I can't find a single hadith where he wiped up to his elbows or uh, he stroked twice. Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah, rahmatullah he said, in his Majmu Fatawa, volume 21, page 436, Tayyamun is the exact substitute for water. It makes lawful what water makes lawful. One performs tayyamun before offering salat as one does wudu before offering salat. It remains after the due time has passed as ablution remains. If one performs tayyamun for offering nafil prayer, he can also offer an obligatory prayer with that ablution. This is the opinion of most scholars, Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Ahmad in the second report. This is the correct opinion supported by the Quran and Sunnah. So what did I mention yesterday? So... Imam Abu Hanifa is the only one who says that Tayyimam does not finish until the next time of the prayer. He goes, the Tayyimam lasts until you break your wudu or break your Tayyimam for want of a better word. The other three Imams said, no, it's only valid till the next prayer. So Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah, he sides with Imam Abu Hanifa. He goes, he has got the understanding here. And of course, he's an Imam, he can talk like this. And he goes, Imam Ahmad also has a second opinion. Hafiz ibn Qayyim said in Zad al-Ma'ad, volume 1, page 200, it was never reported from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He performed tayyamun for each prayer, nor did he order it. He talked about it generally and made it a substitute for ablution. So Ibn Qayyim again says, I can't find a single report where the Prophet said that you have to keep doing a wudu, a tayyamun for every salat. Sheikh ibn Uthaymin, rahmatullah in Sharh al-Mumti, volume 1, page 340, he said, the opinion is that tayyamum is not nullified when the due time for prayer has passed. If one performed tayyamum to offer fajr and remain in the state of purity until isha, the tayyamum is valid. So amongst the recent scholars who passed away, uh, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin said the same. So note, out of precaution, you should do a fresh tayyamum because three of the imams are different. However, most of the scholars here have mentioned, have said that there is no proof for that. So now, 
What if you find water within the time of the salat you've offered with tayyibum? This is another thing. So you've done tayyibum, you can't find water, you've offered the salat. That salat time has not expired and you found water. So there's a hadith. The hadith is in uh, Abu Dawood, number 286, Darimi in his sunnah, number 737. Abu Sayyid al-Khudri, he relates, two people set out on a journey. The time of Salat entered and they had no water. They performed tayyimum with clean earth and they both offered the Salat. Later on, they found water within the time of the same Salat. One of them repeated the Salat and his wudu, but the other did not do anything. When they approached Rasulullah and related to him, he said to the one who did not repeat the Salat, you followed the Sunnah and your first prayer was sufficient. He turned to the other one who performed the ablution and repeated the prayer, for you there is a double reward. So here the Prophet was explaining that you do not need to repeat the prayer. <laughs> so you don't tayyimum, let's say it's Zohr, and now you found water and it's still time of Zohr. You don't need to repeat the prayer. If you do repeat it, that's regarded as an optional prayer for you. That's why the Prophet said you will get the double reward. But this doesn't mean you get a double reward more than the Sunnah. This is very important to highlight. The Prophet praised the first one first. Why? Because he was correct. <laughs> Because you did, you followed the sunnah, your prayer was sufficient. Because but the other person did something extra, he'll be given a, another reward. In another report proving this, in Sayyid Bukhari number 48, Abdul Razak in his Musannaf, number 229, Daru number 186, Abdullah ibn Umar performed tayyimum, offered asr salat, whilst he was still a mile or two outside of Medina. When he entered the holy city, although the sun was still sufficiently high, he did not repeat the prayer. So he did tayyimum outside of Medina. He offered asr. When he entered Al-Medina, obviously there was water available. He didn't repeat the prayer. Meaning on a journey, it's also fine. So from this hadith, it is clear that one may perform salat with tayyimum even if there is hope that water may be available before the time of the salat ends. However, it is better not to perform salat with tayyimum if it is believed that water may become available before the time of the Salat expires. Have you understood? So you're doing Taymum, but you will know there's a 99% chance that before the time expires, I'll be able to find water. Then it's better for you not to do Taymum. But it's valid because the water can be found. And there's a proof. In Abdul Razak in his Musannaf, volume 1, page 244, Suleiman ibn Yasar relates that he heard this from a Sahaba who, who traveled with Umar. Umar radiyallahu was traveling, he was in Janaba, he needed to have a bath and he did not have water with him. He asked his companions, if we get going straight away, would we be able to reach somewhere with water before the dawn? They said yes. So they traveled and reached a place with water before dawn. Umar then took a bath and offered the prayer. So Umar radiyallahu amir al-mu'mini, He's explained that if you can find water, don't do tayyimum. You need to have a bath. He didn't even take that concession thing. I'll do tayyimum. I don't need to have a bath. He goes, water was found. And he asked, will, will we make it before the prayer ends? He goes, yes. He did. And he offered the ghusl. Ali also said the same. So this is with regards to tayyimum. And the other thing, 
Why two strikes? So the hadith are weak. Now this is the classic case where the imams have turned to a weak hadith out of precaution. So some people, they have the view that weak hadith cannot be acted upon. But this is an example of a weak hadith where three imams have acted upon. In Behaki, volume 1, page 207, Kutni, volume 1, page 180, Hagim in his Mustadrak, volume 1, page 287, Tabarani, volume 12, page 367. Abdullah ibn Umar he said there are two strikes to perform tayyib one to wipe the face and the second strike to wipe the arms including the elbows so this is why the imams have said out of precaution do two strikes because it's a hadith the hadith of course is weak but they've acted upon it meaning it can't be that severe when the scholars act upon weak hadith it means it's not that severe so this is also worth pointing out Another interesting ruling about tayyib. If you are ill, can you perform tayyib with the presence of water? So there's a report. In Darukutni 1-186, Abdullah ibn Abbas said, It is allowed for an ill person to do tayyib with the soil. So now who is this ill person? So if a person is seriously ill, and he's really struggling even to like, you know, get his bearings, you know, to stunt. In that situation, according to Ibn Abbas, he can do tayyib. But you have to be very ill. So even if this water is present, right? So no, this is another concession given graciously by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not to be abused, obviously. Somebody got a headache, I'll do tayyib. What are you talking about, brother? You got a headache. Anyone who is in good health and resident in a town, is permitted to do tayyimum if they want to attend the janazah and are not in wudu. And if he was not in wudu, he would miss the janazah. In such a situation, he should do tayyimum and join the salat. So that's interesting. This is a Hanifi rule. So you're rushing to a janazah. It started. You're not in wudu. So obviously, you do wudu, janazah is finished. So in that situation, the Hanafi state, you can do wood, uh, you can do tayyim, even though water is present, so you can catch the janazah. <coughs> Second ruling of the Hanafi, this is in the work Al-Fiqh Al-Islami, according to the Hanafi Mazhab, volume 1, by Sheikh Muhammad Akram Nadvi, <coughs> page 76, he said, if someone wants to attend the Eid Salat and fears that he were to occupy himself doing wudu or ghusl, he would miss the Salat, he should do tayyibum and do the salat with the congregation, even for Eid. Mm-hmm. How many times people walking around because oh, they finished, brother? You know, they, oh, you missed probably, you know, nafl for a minute, right? Eid, they're missing Eid. Can I do it kaza? I don't know, brother, right? But let's say genuinely you're late and this is started, you can do tayyibum. Alhamdulillah. Then the Shaykh said, whoever attends the Jumma salat, and fears that if he was to occupy himself with wudu, he will miss the congregation, then he still has to do wudu. <laughs> right? So the way to remember it is, Eid and Janazah, you can do tayyibah, not for the obligatory salat. Right? You miss it, you miss it, that's your problem. Another thing which is mentioned here, so there's a few reports. So why have they said this? So, you know, this is the problem. People say, oh, the Hanafis are using Qiyas. They're using Qiyas, mashallah. We're using Naswar, right? So here's the proofs. 
In Ibn Abi Shayba, in Azal Musannaf, Abdullah Ibn Abbas, Radiyallahumma, he said, If a janaza is suddenly brought up to somebody for salat and he does not have wudu, he may perform tayyimum and offer the salat for janaza. There's a direct proof. A second, in Darukutni, volume 1, page 202, Nafi said a janaz was brought to Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu He didn't have wudu at the time. So he performed tayyimum and prayed the janaza prayer. There's a second proof. A third proof. The same is mentioned by Hassan al-Basri, Ibrahim al-Nakha'i, Ata'iqlima. In Ibn Abi Shayba, in his Al-Musannaf, volume 2, page 387, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu said, If you are likely to miss the janaza prayer and don't have wudu, perform tayyimum and offer the salat. So note here, it's all based upon traditions, but they're not in the famous collections. So some people, they start saying, well, it's not in Bukhari and Muslim. And then you respond by saying, I quoted Abdul Razak. And he goes, yeah, but it's not Bukhari and Muslim. Abdul Razak was Imam Bukhari's teacher, you fruitcake. <laughs> right? And then that's how much they know about the hadiths. So notice again, this is just end of time scenarios and we're living in it. So note, there's so many rulings with regards to Tayyibam, but some of the more famous ones I wanted to mention here. So now to mention verse 7. So the verse reads, A'udhu billahi min ash-shaitan rajeem Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And call in remembrance the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unto you and his covenant which he ratified with you when you said, We hear and we obey. And fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows well the secrets of your hearts. So now what's interesting? Allah ta'ala He's now mentioning the ni'mah. Now why is that interesting? Because in verse 3, what did, what did he say? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي I have completed my blessings upon you. Now in verse 7 he says, وَذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ Remember the, the blessing of the Allah Ta'ala upon you. And what does he re- refer to? His covenant, which he ratified with you. When you said we hear and we obey, so this blessing is for us. But what's the covenant? <clears throat> the meaning refers to the solemn pledge and covenant taken by the two groups of the people at Aqaba, near Mina. The first about 14 months before the Hijrah and the second a little bit later. These were pledges of fealty to Rasulullah, comparable to the covenant under Mount Sinai taken in the time of Musa. So there's the covenant. So what's Allah referring to? Look how interesting. Remember the blessing of Allah unto you and his covenant which he ratified with you when you said, We hear and we obey. Fear Allah. For Allah knows well the secrets of your hearts. So what is these, these pledges? Rasulullah was calling people to Islam in the market of Uqaz during the Hajj season. And Alhamdulillah, some of the Ansar were blessed with this. So six of them came from the Khazraj and they listened to the Prophet and one of them said to the other, the Jews have been talking about this Prophet. So they listened to the Prophet and he and they accepted the call. The six went back to <coughs> Al-Madinah. That was the first pre, uh, you know, <coughs> contact with Islam to Al-Madinah. The six went back and they spent some time spreading Islam in Al-Madinah. Then they came a second time. And this was the pledge of Aqaba. The first pledge. I think there was 12 of them who came to pledge. Now they went Khazraj. There was nine Khazrajis. There was three Aws. 
A year or so later, they became the second pledge, where 70 plus came to pledge allegiance. All of this was leading up to the migration of the Prophet to Al Madinah. This pledge or these pledges were so dear to the Ansar that what they said was amazing. Qab ibn Malik said in Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim, people talk about Badr, he says, and rightly so. But what is more beloved to us were the pledge of Aqaba, because this is what led to Badr. So why did he say that? So apart from the fact that there would be no Badr without the pledge of Aqaba. But Allah Ta'ala has referred to it here. He goes, this is my blessing to you, meaning I chose you, the city of al Madina, to give the pledge. But notice he goes, he's, he's linked it to himself. He goes, his covenant which he ratified with you, but it was the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So Allah Ta'ala is honoring him further by saying, you've actually given pledge to me. And what's interesting to finish, out of the people who came to pledge, Jibreel said to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, choose 12 to be leaders amongst their people. And Jibreel pointed to 12. Right? And these 12 became the leaders. So that shows their status. Allah was appointing amongst them Nukabah, Nukabah, as leaders amongst the Ansar. So I'll decide the verse and we will come. أَذْبِ اللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ وَاذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلِيكُمْ وَمِيثَاقَهُ الَّذِي وَاثَقَكُمْ بِهِ إِذْ قُلْتُمْ سَمِعْنَا وَعَطَعْنَا وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلِيمٌ بِذَاتِ الصُّدُورِ So note like I mentioned, these are all about the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah Ta'ala has given them the laws of halal and haram. He's given them the laws what to do in the state of Ihram. He's, he's perfected his favor to them. And now what does he mention? Uh, after wudu and tayyamah, he's mentioned the pledge that was also part of the blessing Allah Ta'ala wanted to establish the deen with. SubhanAllah. So we pray to Almighty Allah SWT that he makes the Quran the Rabi of our hearts and I pray to Almighty Allah SWT that he forgives me for any errors which I may have been in Thank you.